Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Andrew, happy Saturday, brother. How are you? Hey, Stoyan, doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's been a while. I know. Uh, well, not that long. I saw you, what, in October? That's right. That's right. I mean, thankfully, let's give credit to our good friends from 15 Seconds Festival for taking a bold move and organizing a epic conference, a hybrid. But I would say actually more in-person than hybrid, but still there was also hybrid element to it. But what an epic uh, experience. Mm-hmm. How did you enjoy it this year? Oh, man. Big shout out to 15 Seconds. Best conference in the world. Best one I've ever been to. Uh, This one was really awesome. It was cool that they changed up the format a little bit from previous years. Um, Lots of different stages and venues and uh, really great speakers, as always, and cool events. Um, And, you know, it's always an awesome time. They're meeting some of the best people in the industry. So and I get to see Stoyan, my best friend. So. Yeah, man, it's been it's been great to hang out. It's uh, I think it's the third time we we connect uh, in Graz in Austria. And for those of you who are tuning in uh, right now, Andrew is uh, an exceptional keynote speaker. And I gotta tell you, the first time I went to 15 Seconds uh, together, you know, sharing stage with Andrew, I was so happy that my keynote was not at the same time <laughs> as Andrew's keynote because there were like what eight or nine stages and. Andrew had this epic topic and epic speech and basically there was no people on the other stages. Like there was like literally, literally people on the floor, on the floor, like, like everything was completely packed. And Andrew, would you share? So you can give a perspective on the people, you know, also a little bit about your background, but like, what was your speech about back then? And, and were you surprised that so many people actually joined your speech? Oh man, that was crazy. That was uh most people I've ever been in front of, for sure. Uh, I think it was almost 3,000 people in the audience that day. Um, so my background, a uh, little all over the place. I've done a lot of different stuff. Uh, I've always been in marketing and copywriting, um, but I've worked in fashion, in music, uh, cannabis, adult entertainment, a uh, little all over the place. Um, so at that time, I was working at Pornhub. And uh, the topic was, so an industry like adult entertainment, you can't do things the normal way, right? You can't do, uh, you don't have access to a lot of the same tools or platforms that a regular business would have. So uh, we always had to do things sort of in a, you know, find a backdoor or a weird way around uh, getting, getting to something. So what I talked about was, how do you advertise when no one will take your money? Right. If you can't run Google ads, can't run Facebook ads, you can't do any of the traditional stuff. How do you do it? Um, so the short answer is with uh, a lot of splashy PR kind of stuff. Right. So uh, when I worked in the Pornhub marketing department, they tracked one metric. There's only one thing they paid attention to, and it was headlines. How much news did we get on this? It was all press. That's it. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting way to to approach PR and advertising, right? It's uh, pretty different from, you know, checking your digital channels and seeing if your click-through rate went up or something like that. Could you maybe share some of the 
interesting campaigns that you've been part of or you experienced uh, maybe just a couple of examples of how you actually, you know, create these new stories? Yeah, for sure. Um, first project I worked on when I got there was uh, the April Fool's joke. So every year on uh, April 1st, do we have this in, in Europe, April Fool's? Do you guys do that? Yeah. Uh, so every year they would do something with the layout or the design of the website to, uh, you know, prank people or, you know, just make a funny joke. Uh, so the first one I worked on, we rebranded the whole website to be called Hornhub. So it was all about trumpets, French horns, trombones, uh, or like sheep horns or ramps, you know what I mean? Uh, and so we, we totally changed the whole thing. We made all these fun puns about it. And, uh, that actually got picked up by quite a few outlets. Got a lot of press on that one. Um, what else did we do? We we partnered with a cryptocurrency. It's called Verge. And so uh, we set up so we could take payments on the website in that currency. Uh, and so to announce that, we got an armored truck, painted it with the Pornhub logo, and filled it with porn stars and sent it down to Wall Street in New York and uh, had them just giving out tokens that you could go online and re redeem it for cryptocurrency this was huge man you know they they all had ski masks on and big bags of money and they're throwing coins everywhere it was pretty crazy <laughs> and have you have you been part of the creative process like like how how is that happening like can you give us a little bit of an inside look like did you guys come together you start brainstorming like how, how do you actually come up with these uh, crazy ideas yeah, so um, for that one in particular, um, we worked with an agency on that. So sometimes it can be helpful for brainstorming to get an outside look. Uh, it doesn't have to be an agency. It could even be just like a friend or somebody who doesn't work at your organization. But sometimes to get a fresh idea, you got to bring in some fresh blood. Um, so that was uh, that was one that we collaborated externally on. And, um, you know, the, it was a lot of brainstorming. It was a lot of just sitting in the room together and just throwing out your craziest ideas you know, you put out 50 crazy ideas, one of them is going to stick for sure. So it's uh, almost like a volume game, right? You just sort of turn off the filters, let your mind go and see what comes out. And how did you actually end up in, in you know, in the adult entertainment industry? Then you said you'd be working in cannabis. And since I know you, you've always been very chill about it. You know, there's a lot of people that will be like, not even considering a job or or getting into these industries because of you know it's controversial in many ways. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, believe it or not, they are a huge employer in my city. They have uh, over a thousand employees here in Montreal, and uh, it's a bilingual city, right? Um, it's majority French speaking here, uh, so there are not that many English language employers here. So. Uh, most people I know who are in creative or in advertising uh, have worked for or with Pornhub in some way <laughs> over the years. It's like a huge, huge, huge company here. So it's uh, if you lived here, it wouldn't be that weird that I worked there. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty common here. So um, the way I got in there was just kind of by chance. I was at a job that I was ready to leave, um, just kind of looking for a new challenge. And I talked to a friend who was the marketing manager there. And she said, look, we got this position opening up. I think it'd be a good fit for you. Why don't you interview and give it a shot? And, you know, just took the shot at it and, and it ended up working out really well. So so what are some of the, the lessons, like if you can reflect backwards, 
how did you grow as a creative professional based on the experience in, in Pornhub? Great question. Um, for me, it was working with restrictions that pushed me further. So anytime you have a constraint or you know some blocker or something that makes you do things a different way, you're forced to be creative. You don't have a choice, right? If you can't rely on what you've already learned or do things the normal way, so to speak, you have no choice but to find a, an unusual or creative solution. Um, so I try to carry that through with me and uh, I try to actually look for what are the restrictions, right? Because this helps inspire me. So whatever, wherever you're at, whatever kind of project that you're taking on, there's going to be a limitation. There's going to be some kind of roadblock for you. And uh, instead of, you know, getting stopped up by that or letting it stumble you, you just use it as inspiration. You use it to find a new way. Um, so that's that's the biggest lesson I learned from there is that uh, restrictions are inspiration. They actually can help you. I love that, man. And it brings me, reminds me of uh, a person, another person I had on the podcast. Her name is uh, Natalie Nixon. She's the author of the book, The Creativity Leap. And she defines creativity as the constant toggle between wonder and rigor. Mm, and I thought I like it's really that. beautifully, beautifully articulated, but also the fact that we need structure and we need rigor and we need restrictions in order to be creative. And I think many artists, many creative people actually get stuck because they don't have any restrictions and restraints. Do you find the same in the industry? Absolutely. You know, um, a lot of creatives are kind of allergic to structure. They think it goes against creativity to be reined in like that. And I, I couldn't disagree more. I think structure limitations can give you more ideas. Um, so it's, uh, it's exactly like you said, like a lot of people will like a creative mind, you know, it's, we think there's left brain and right brain and that th those can never work together. And it's, it's so untrue. Uh, creativity can within a structure, it just helps you plan things out. It just gives you a path to get to where you want to go. And it's, you know, too short of a leash can be a restriction for sure. Like if you're working in an industry or a company with a ton of restraints and, you know, the style guide is really strict and you have a hard time pushing things further, that could be, that can be tough, but it just gives you more to work with. It just gives you, uh, you know, another way to get inspired. How much does it come to self-awareness, Andrew? Like, because there's, there's different type of personalities, like uh, we can speak about creativity for, for 60 minutes. And yet again, there's people that come with different profiles, preferences. How much does it come to self-awareness when it comes to being a really strong professional in the creative industry? It's, it's key. It's absolutely key to it. And so going back to structure a little bit, all you need to know is what kind of structure works for you. Right. And so that comes with self-awareness, right? It's not everybody is going to fit into every structure. You know, you can't always just take somebody and drop it into the plan that you've already got. You need to find how that plan can be adapted to yourself. And to know that you got to know yourself. So self-awareness is key for sure. Yeah. And, and looking into the creative industries, because uh, I'm not sure I share with you, but I actually come from the, from the, 
video production slash movie production industry myself. I used to be a producer. But then again, when I was a producer, I often have to step in and, you know, sometimes you're first AD on set. Sometimes you, you know, small productions, I have to do the camera or like, you know, all those kind of things. And it's it's a very multi-skill kind of environment. We need to know a lot of different things. And I'm really excited to tap into the productivity in the creative industries, which is very interdependent, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like some other industries, you might be really good on your own. While here, there's a lot of things that you depend on different people from the team. And you have to create this sort of a environment where you have some sort of structure, deadlines, focus, and objectives. At the same time, you got to leave space. Because if it's only structure, then you know we don't have space to be creative and to be inspired. So I wonder... What what do you find are the most productive creative spaces from your experience, from working with different agencies and different uh, creative spaces? What makes a productive team? Exactly like you said, collaboration is the key for creative. It's uh, if you silo yourself away and try and plug away at something on your own. Look, ideas don't just come up from the ether you know what i mean you have to have input you have to get inspired from different places uh and working with other people is absolutely key for this so something i like to do um you know on a marketing team as a copywriter i'm typically working with a graphic designer or an art director and i like to block out big meetings like huge long meetings the whole morning or the whole afternoon and just you know, now we're remote, so you just hang out on Zoom for four hours or whatever, but you just let it flow. You know what I mean? So this is kind of an unstructured structure, if you know what I mean, right? So we know this is the time, this is the goal, this is what we have to get done by the end of it. But within, anything goes. So that's, you know, oh, I saw this YouTube video that uh, I really liked and inspired me, or here's a song I want to listen to that will get the juices flowing. You know what I mean? So I think that to repeat myself, a structured, unstructured time can be huge for, for getting the ideas flowing. Is uh, Just block out a time where all you have to do is brainstorm. Absolutely love this. And I think many of the more traditional businesses can learn a lot from that because usually in the you know more formal business world, everything is structured, right? Like you have an agenda, five mm-hmm. minutes here, 10 minutes here, and sometimes, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're sitting together and obviously now we're working from home, but you might have to go for a walk, right? For 15 minutes in the middle of the meeting. And Mm -hmm. that could give you some extra piece of inspiration and creativity, which is really hard to predict and plan. Exactly Um, right. So I wonder if if you can share maybe, uh, because again, for the people who are in the industry, it might be something that's not so new, but like, what are some some processes that that you can share like brainstorming processes let's say uh that could be interesting for any kind of uh ideation definitely um what i like to do is get inspired by things that have nothing to do with what i'm working on so what i mean is if i if i need to write some copy uh maybe i'll listen to a rap song or i'll watch a movie or i'll you know i'll find cuz especially for me as copywriter words are everywhere Anywhere you look, <laughs> there's words being said or written or something like that. So I read a lot of fiction and poetry. Poetry for me is like poetry and advertising. They seem like they would be opposites, but they share 
a lot in common. So my advice is don't just look, you know, if you're working on an ad campaign, don't just look at ad campaigns, look at everything, listen to music, uh, you know, watch short films, watch animations, uh, listen to a podcast, read, read a poem. You know what I mean? Just get outside of what you're trying to do and bring, because it's like I said, there's no ideas that pop up out of nowhere. They all are inspired by something. Everything is drawn from something else. So find those things that are outside of your world and uh, you're going to get some fresher ideas than if you're just copying what, you know, other people in your industry are doing. It reminds me of this uh, Hollywood producer. I forgot his full name. I think his name was Brian and he's, uh, we're going to put him in the podcast notes. Um, he wrote a book called Curious. And he took this lesson from his grandmother when he was a little kid who told him, you got to be curious about people. So what he started to do is he will start inviting every week or every second week, he will invite a stranger, but somebody who's exceptional in what they do, which is not connected to his industry, which is the movie industry. So a surgeon, a really great engineer, musician, all these kind of different people, and he'll have dinners and just, Ask them, how do you do what you do? How do you prepare? You know, why are you excited about it? And he, he'll get all this inspiration and ideas and he'll bring it back into, into his own craft. Exactly that. Everybody's got a story, right? And it's uh, whether it's related to what they do professionally or just in their personal life, anybody can share, you, share with you something that you haven't heard before. So I definitely agree with that. That's such a great way also to get over the so-called uh, creative block like, you know, sometimes I feel myself, I'm, I'm you know, working on this book, for example. Man, I, I'm not a, you're a copywriter, right? I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a writer, man. I'm, I'm doing a lot of other things, right? Um, so it's been a challenge. It's, it's one thing to go on stage and speak. Wow. It's a completely different thing to write a book, man. Oh, yeah. um, I got stuck so many times and, and I think sometimes naturally I was, Somehow, my body was telling me, you got to solve this. You got to come up with the idea. So I was there and I would kind of beat myself up in front of the, in the computer mm -hmm. instead of actually taking a pause and do something different, right? Like go oh, for yeah. a walk, call somebody, read the book, like do something, stop. And yeah. This is what I learned from a friend a few years ago. Um, super simple, you know, but, but he told me for good ideas to evolve, you need to work on them, leave it, come back to it, work again, leave it, come back to it, work again. And I was like, man, this is so good. And I it's haven't like, done it before that, right? Because <laughs> I want to solve the problem. That's it. It's like uh, tending to a garden, right? To use a cheesy metaphor, right? It's uh, You don't water your garden and then stand there looking at it and going, grow, grow, goddammit, grow. You know, you you need to give it space, you need to give it love, and then you need to go away and come back and see what's grown. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that. I will say one thing about the blank page, which is the worst thing for any writer, as I'm sure you're experiencing, you know, trying to write a book. You sit there, you look at the computer, and there's just a blank page. And you're like, how do I crack this? How do I start? And uh, my advice is just write anything. You know what I mean? Because the problem is the page is blank. You have nothing to start from. So just put something on the page. Doesn't matter what it is. Could be, you know, lyrics from a song you're listening to. It could be just whatever is babbling through your head. 
But once you've gotten something down, the page isn't blank anymore. You've got a place to start from. It doesn't matter what that first thing is. You can delete it afterwards. But uh, the best advice I have for starting something, just start it. Don't worry too much about what you're putting out. You can always edit later. Just roll. Just get something going. I love it. And this also helps to decrease the performance anxiety. Exactly. And right. often, often creative people or people who are very ambitious, they would set these super ambitious goals. For for me, with this book, I'm like, wow, man, we gotta get it done. You know, I'm gonna I'm going to write 10 pages a day of really great, you know, text. And it's it's like, dude, you don't know. I need to lower my expectations. You know, usually yeah, I teach people sure. you gotta set big ambitious, big goals. Yeah, but in the in the world of creativity, it's, it's really difficult when you say you gotta write ten amazing pages, and you're not a writer. Um, but then, but then I kind of switched to a different approach, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to set myself write one or two pages, which might be really terrible. That's fine. Yeah, that's it. You uh, just gotta get something down. That's right. You know, somebody once told me about. Um, the concept of a non-zero day. And they said, every day doesn't need to be a home run. It doesn't need to be the most productive day of your life. What it needs to be is non-zero. You just need to have done something, right? So for me, if let's say I'm doing a big writing project like you're describing, for me, as long as something got on the page that day, I consider it a win. And it means that progress is happening, right? So it's easy to beat yourself up. Oh, I didn't write my 10 pages. I didn't write my 20 pages. But if you wrote a paragraph, you wrote a sentence, you're better today than you were yesterday. You know what I mean? You're still, you're still moving forward. So I really like that idea of you don't have to kill yourself doing the perfect thing every time. You just need to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, because things are not linear. That's it. Like if, if today I, I put down two lines of text, tomorrow I might have 16 pages. Exactly. Like it, it's just that you can't really predict those kind of things. But then the question, of course, comes, what about deadlines, right? You know, working in the industry, there's clients, they have really crazy deadlines. How, how do you deal with the, the, the pressure of deadlines? Uh, and then I still want to be creative and give my, myself some space to, to, to be inspired. Yeah. See, I'm lucky. I work really well with deadlines. They uh, They motivate me. They inspire me. They... When it's crunch time, my brain just kicks up and starts rolling in overdrive. And uh, I do some of my best work like two days before a deadline. Uh, so I would say, you know, if you're not wired that way, just try to let it inspire you. Try to let it be motivation. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's tough, man. If you're staring down the barrel of a deadline, the page is blank. You don't know what you're doing. It's, it's a tough position to be in. But uh, my advice is just start. Just roll with it. Try and uh, and let it be motivation instead of uh, a blocker for you. Um, but at the same time, I encourage employers, clients, anybody else uh, to eliminate deadlines as much as possible. Because they, for me, the quality of the work matters so much more than when the work is delivered. Because look, at the end of the day in advertising, we're not doing open heart surgery here. You know, if the campaign goes live on Monday instead of Friday, nobody's going to drop dead. It's not a big deal. Uh, so if you have this capability, let go of deadlines. 
let people work on a schedule that makes sense for them, give them the space to be creative. Um, so that's more of a message for clients or employers, but uh, creatives need space. We need time. You know, we're very sensitive people. So, yeah, and then of course, there are some certain projects that you can't really postpone the, the deadline, right? Like, of course, 14, 14th of February, and you put the ad on the 15th, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's, but, but, but there's many self imposed deadlines, as you said, like this is a deadline. That's what we want. It's not based on any data. So this is the ones that you say that, hey, if we can give it more space, maybe the quality is actually going to be better and the results of the campaign is also going to be better. Ideally, yeah. And I mean, that can go too far too, right? Like if you have no deadline at all, then you're just like, oh, I don't need to rush on this. It'll happen when it happens. You let yourself get lazy about it. So um, whether you call it you know, soft deadlines or whatever you want to call it, it's good to have some sort of targets for when something needs to get done. And like I said, for me, I love deadlines. I like working with them. Um, but I know that not every creative is like that. You know, I've worked with writers who really, really struggle with the pressure of a deadline and say, okay, screw it. Take two more days. It's not a big deal, you know, but you do have to have, obviously things have to get finished eventually. Right. And that's a skill all on its own is knowing when something is finished, knowing when something is good enough to go out the door. Right. And uh, deadlines can help with that. Because at some point you go, okay, it has to get done. Doesn't matter if I, you know, I want to polish it for another 10 years maybe, but something, everything has to get finished at some point. So, so deadlines can be, they can be inspiration for sure. Definitely. By the end of uh, finishing, completing the book, we had so many retakes and re-edits and polishments. I was so creatively drained and I wonder, have you ever felt completely drained creatively and you had a deadline, let's say, and what do you do in, in, in such moments? Oh, man, it happens to everybody, for sure. Um, you know, feeling creatively depleted and you've got this deadline looming and you're like, shit, I really need to get something uh, on the page. This is where you need to start looking for inspiration, right? So it's like I talked about before. Um, step outside of your zone a little bit, start looking at different types of media, different types of things in other spaces. Um, so like I said, if you're working on an ad campaign, stop looking at ad campaigns, go outside. And that's where you're going to get some totally novel ideas flowing is, you know, I mentioned rap songs. This is huge for me as a copywriter, because these are some of the most clever writers in the world. Uh, so I like, I like listening to Lil Wayne. He's my favorite. And uh, he's so, he does this, these amazing word plays and, you know, kind of fun, exciting ways of twisting language and stuff like that. And so anyway, the point is, if you're stuck, you're looking for inspiration, you feel creatively drained, you have to, it's all about vibes, right? You have to get right with yourself and get uh, your energy right. And so what you do is you find things that you find are beautiful or things that you find are inspiring or exciting. And you think about how do I, because, you know, when you watch a good movie, you get excited, right? It, you feel it inside of you. It's the same thing reading a great book or whatever. You're, can't, you can't wait to see what happens next. It, it lights a fire in you, right? It gives, and, it, and with that comes ideas, comes creative energy that you need to push forward. So with anything creativity, inspiration is at the root of it all. And uh, I say just 
step outside your zone. This is the best advice I can give for finding ideas is uh, look outside. I read the book once, which was studying many of the most creative people on the planet. And they found out a big percentage of them had some sort of a routine. A, getting back to um, Stephen King, I think mm -hmm. uh, there was a quote, uh, actually I wrote it down. Amateurs are looking for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. A and he had this kind of routine that no matter what, every morning he wakes up, he gets his cup of coffee, and he will write for four hours, no matter what, no excuses whatsoever. Sometimes it's going to be really crap, but sometimes it's going to be really, really great work. And and he his take on this is the more you do it, the more you're disciplined. Whenever you don't feel like doing it, you're going to become a professional and you're going to be so much better because there's so many people that actually use it as an excuse to say, oh, I don't feel like it, you know, not this week, whatever. So I wonder, do you have any rituals or routines personally that help you to, to, to stay sharp? Definitely, I do. Um, this is uh, maybe sounds kind of silly, but every morning I wake up early enough to give myself a full uninterrupted hour uh, to sit, drink coffee, read, and do the crossword puzzle. I do the New York Times crossword puzzle every morning. My dad did it every morning, and it's it's something I've done since I was a kid. And waking up that way, engaging your brain first, first, first thing, and making sure you have time, man, time, space, and a, a bit of time to just relax and before you jump right into it. You know, when I was younger, you know, teenager, early twenties. I would wake up like half an hour before work and run there drinking the coffee on the way. It's no way to start your day. You, you need to have peacefulness in the morning. So this is something I've built in is no matter what, whether I'm on the road, I'm at home, starting a new job, no matter what, I need to have an hour in the morning of just uninterrupted Zen flow space time. So this is uh, this is key, I think, for me for for creativity, for inspiration, but also just for my energy levels and, you know, engaging with the day. If I start out that way, I'm on the right foot. So th that's my little ritual, crossword puzzle and coffee for an hour in the morning. I love it, man. I haven't <laughs> done crosswords for, I don't know, 15 years maybe, but I get excited to, to buy the morning newspaper, you know, just yeah, smell man. the paper. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, it really does get your brain going. You know, they say it's good for, you know, uh, mental acuity, preventing Alzheimer's and stuff like that. I don't know about all that, but I can say for sure, gets my juices flowing. And it's a sense of uh, self-care because you you tell yourself, uh, you do something for yourself. It's kind of a subconscious thing, right? Like it's, I have my coffee, I have time for myself, even if it's silly, but it's something that I do for myself. So you exactly. start a day not rushing, not getting yourself into, oh, I'm always behind time which is an illusion. Who said you're always behind time? What if you change your routine? Exactly and right. I wonder, I wonder, you mentioned also energy and uh, how much does that play a role for you? Like uh, simple things like sleeping well, drinking water, um, all these other things, like how much does it play a role? And can you actually see a correlation between you being well rested and well taken care of 
and your productivity. 100%. Yeah, as uh, they're intrinsically linked for sure. You don't you know, it's it's basic stuff. Everybody's heard this stuff, but it, if you don't if you're not doing this, try it and watch what a difference it makes for you. Little water, good rest, having some peaceful meditation time, a little bit of exercise, even if it's just going for a walk once a day. Night and day, man. It's especially for creativity, you know, you need to have the right energy, the right vibes. I talk a lot about vibes, but it's, uh, all of that comes from, you know, mental health follows physical health, 100%. And uh, if your mind's not right, you're not going to be creating good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's not to say you need to be health freak, you know, two hours of yoga and green smoothies every day or whatever. I mean, if if that's you, that's great. Uh, but just a little bit is enough to, to get it rolling. And sleep, man. Sleep is key. You need to sleep enough. At least seven hours. Eight is better. Ten if you can afford it. But, yeah, man. For sure, it's uh, you got to be. Think, man. Every, everybody, everybody's looking for you know the five keys to become master of your sleep, or like the the stuff is simple. We just don't like to do the simple stuff. Like we we did, we created this simple framework, and, and, and this is just this is just for everybody who's like, ah, oh, you know, there's so many things to do. I'm so busy professional entrepreneur whatever so we were like okay let's let's make it simple what are the things that give us energy you know an acronym for energy is e exercise and nutrition second e excitement at work and out of work r relationships g good sleep good quality sleep and then y stands for you time or time for yourself self-care i mean have a look at these six areas how well That's are you doing at the moment? Yeah, exactly. That's you're so right. I will say my number one tip for better sleep. This is what helped me. I used to have so much trouble falling asleep. And what helped me was the bedroom is for bed. That's it. No screens in there, but no TV, no phone, nothing like that. I don't even read in bed. I just when I'm in the bedroom, it's sleeping. That's it. And uh, they call it sleep hygiene. This changed my life. So uh, no screens in the bedroom. That's rule number one. How did you achieve that? I, I, I read the survey that uh, it was some staggering number, like 90% of people, last thing they do before they fall asleep is checking their phone or something. Like how, how did you, everybody knows that's the right thing, but like how did you actually take the step and became consistent in following this habit? Don't bring it in the room with you. It's that simple. Just, uh, you know, your, keep your phone charger in the living room. And plug it in there before you go to bed. That's it. If it's not there with you, you can't pick it up. So it's, uh, you know, simplicity is always best, right? It's uh, if you're looking for a way to avoid something, just put it in the other room. Simple as that. And do you have any special sleep uh, before before bed routine? Like, I don't know, you meditate, you, you, you journal, you do something, something else? Meditation, for sure. That's the key. I mean, look, at this point, my sleep hygiene is good enough that Typically, I'm asleep within five minutes of, of entering the bedroom. So uh, that's pretty sweet. But if you're not there, meditation, man. This is uh, If you don't meditate, this will change your life. There's nothing like it for clearing your mind. Uh, you know, if you feel anxious at night, you know, racing thoughts, that kind of thing, meditate. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. It's, it's huge. For me, for anybody I know who's embraced that, it makes a big difference. 
what kind of technique do you follow or or do you have different type of meditation techniques that you follow i have one that uh especially is great for if there's something you're worried about and uh you know there's a few steps to it whatever but um the the biggest thing is i imagine a tree big tree and then in your mind in your meditation you take a card and you write down what you're worried about what is oh deadline coming up whatever you write it down and you take it you hang it on the tree and you walk away and that's it that now it's you know the something about visualizing putting this thing that you're worried about behind you physically and walking away from it it melts away for me this is uh, the number one thing so uh next time you're worried about something give that a shot just you know everybody talks about oh just put it behind you oh don't worry about it just leave it behind try just physically leaving it behind you in your mind and uh, you'd be amazed so is that a continuous kind of a meditation where when there is another thought that comes to you, you call, you go back and you hang the second one as well. And then, then you, there's another thought and you go and hang it as well. Is that kind of how it goes? Or? Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, man. And, um, you know, there's other steps to it. Uh, you know, breathing exercises and stuff like that, that are, that are part of my little routine, but that's, that's the real, uh, at the center of it all is that tree. And uh, I've been doing that since I was like nine years old, for real. And uh, this has helped me through so many different things in my life. I, I can't emphasize it enough. The tree, man. Where did you learn that, man, at nine years old? Was that a school teacher that inspired you? What? <laughs> it was It was my mom. My mom showed it to me. I had an anxiety about something or other. I can't remember what it was. And uh, she must have learned that from somewhere and read a book about it or something. Guided me through that and... Look, man, I've been doing it 25 years and it really, really helps. No, I I definitely relate to that. But I got to say, I'm not as consistent as I want to be with meditation, but it is the best way to calm my mind. And sometimes I I feel like I want to, I'm I'm very tired. I don't want to do a meditation before I go to bed. But, But when I do it, I'm actually feeling more energized. And in the morning, I'm feeling better rested. I'm more focused. I don't have these negative things coming to, you know, thoughts and emotions. I'm, 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 you know, less sensitive to those kind of things. It's just amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, um, one time I heard a keynote uh, from a Buddhist monk. It was actually at a 15 seconds event uh, in Detroit. And uh, it was so funny. I went on right after him. And uh, I remember saying, <laughs> you know, it's this beautiful meditation guided by this monk. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about porn now. Uh, so it was a bit of a tone shift there. But uh, but something this guy said that stuck with me, uh, he, he guided everybody in the audience through a meditation. It was a beautiful one. And it was about, the process was, okay, close your eyes and feel the chair underneath you. Feel, feel yourself being supported. And then feel the floor under the chair. And the chair is also being supported. And then feel the earth under the floor and feel yourself connected in that thread all the way down to the center of the earth. Anyway, beautiful meditation. I really enjoyed it. But something he said was, he said he's always looking for little moments where he can meditate. So he said, now I love being stuck in traffic. I love waiting in line because it gives me a moment to enter my mind, to meditate, to practice that little thing. So now 
if I'm waiting in line, I'm like, yes, I got time to meditate now. You know what I mean? It's uh, it makes those little moments of impatience. You look forward to them. Man, I love that. And I think I know who you're talking about. I think his his name is Gelong Tupton. That's right. Yeah, I could not remember his name, but yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, he 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 said something so profound uh, during one of his speeches. When it comes to meditation, because a lot of people are afraid to to give it a go, because they think it's some kind of a woo-woo thing that only just the few chosen ones can learn how to do. And I had this understanding when I didn't know much about meditation that it's probably something really difficult and in order for me to do it right, I should stop having any thoughts. And the thing is, you can't stop having any thoughts. Even if you are a great meditator, they'll keep coming to you, thoughts, emotions. So what, what he said is we need to change our relationship with our thoughts and emotions. And every time a thought and emotion comes while you meditate, you this is a win. This is the success that you, you are aware the fact that you're aware that there's a toast and emotion, and in your case, you can hang it on the tree or you can kindly just get aware and say, okay, a negative thought, good. Let me get back to my breathing, my meditation. Mm -hmm. This is the success. It, it, it's not, That's you, it. you can't be perfect. That's it. And you can't, there's no blocking thoughts, right? It's like you said, nobody has nothing happening. So there's there's no eliminating the thoughts altogether. But what, what works for me is accepting and dismissing a thought. So if I'm meditating and, uh, you know, some intrusive thought comes in, oh, I'm worried about this or whatever, you just say, okay, not right now. I'll come back to that. And so it's going to sort of disrupt your flow, but you just accept it and dismiss it. You say, okay, thank you, not right now. Yeah, and that's what works for me. I love the fact that you said that now you are so much looking forward to the next time you're in traffic or in, uh, you know, have to wait online because, in fact, you don't have to be sitting in a under a tree in the forest and whatever. Like, a, like actually, you can do a walking meditation. Absolutely. You know, the the, the point is, you, you just need to find your own technique that works for you. But like, the, you get aware. Maybe you focus on your breathing. That's a simple one, right? You, oh yeah. You breathe in, you breathe out. If you get distracted, you you get back to your breathing. And you can be productive while you're actually waiting, which is which is amazing, especially for exactly, people like, right. like I don't know about yourself, but I really value productivity and efficiency. And it, this is a great way to to kind of do something good for yourself while you're waiting online, for example. So exactly right. There's no lost time, right? There's just time you haven't figured out what to do with it yet. Absolutely. So Andrew. Another question which connected to productivity comes down to how do you how do you manage your time? Do you have any sort of a method or a system to organize your workload? And you know, some people talk about work-life balance, but in the end of the day, it's everything is your life, right? So so you gotta incorporate uh, your professional life in your life as well. So how do you manage your your time? For sure. Um, I'm a big calendar guy, uh, which is Maybe unusual for a creative, but I do like some structure that way. And so something I do is I like the, my calendar to be full, right? So it's not just my meetings. It's also if there's something that's just a time for me to brainstorm, I'll just block out focus time on my calendar. And so that way I know nobody can schedule a meeting for me during that time. Nobody can. Uh, and 
I also know for myself, this block of time is dedicated to thinking about this, right? And so it doesn't mean it needs to be hyper-structured like, okay, for this 15 minutes, we're going to tackle this task. And the next 15 minutes, we're going to do this. It's not that structured. It's more just like, I know, okay, this morning is for this idea. This afternoon is for this idea, that kind of a thing. So I like to give myself, it's like the when I talked about the brainstorming meetings, I like to give myself a lot of time. I like to to really, and it doesn't, it sounds hyper-structured, right? Like it sounds like I'm like, okay, this is my two hours for this and this is my two hours for this. But it's, in practice, it's looser than that. It's when you're actually in there, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, hyper-focused on delivering something by the end of that block of time. It just means breaking up your time and dedicating little pieces individual things. So for me, that really helps is uh, just creating structure, both for the organization that you work in, but for yourself too, in terms of uh, blocking off that time. And when you talk about work-life balance, I'm, I'm rigid on this. I uh, Five o'clock, I'm done. It's time for my family. I hang out with my wife. That's it. Um, so that's really important to me. And should be important to everybody, I think, is, you know, we're not living to work. We're working to live. And, uh, you know, family and stuff like that, there's only so much time for that. So uh, make sure that you give yourself enough time for for what really matters in your life, which is uh, the people you love. And this is a big challenge these days. Uh, there have been a research being done on what is the biggest struggles of employees when it comes to working from home. And number one reason they, they point out is, inability to unplug and and actually stop working yeah. right because now now you're home it's the same place that is your personal life right so when it's 5 p.m or 6 p.m whatever your working hours finish it is really hard to stop for many people definitely and it's like 8 p.m 8 30 9 p.m it's like oh my god i have i still have more more stuff to do but getting back to what you said previously i think one of the challenges is People don't have the discipline to organize their time well. So they actually cannot finish the tasks because they're procrastinating and they don't have the discipline to get it done. And what you're suggesting is something that I would suggest anybody listening over and over again is you need to create a space on a daily basis, ideally at the end of your working day, if you're finishing five o'clock as Andrew, 4.30 to five o'clock is your time for reflection and time management and in this time you you try and see how far did you go with the projects with the progress with the results and then you set the objectives for the next day like you sit down you're like let me put a list of all the things i might potentially have to do working wise tomorrow great now let me prioritize it all right this is the most important this is the second most important this is the third most important can i delegate something to somebody else from the team from do I have to do it all? Is yeah. there some of the things I, I, I actually have to say no, I actually move it to another day. Great. Now that I know these things, you start scheduling. And people, Andre, as you said, you know, especially in the creative industries are like, I don't want to be so structured. No, this gives you freedom because you say from exactly 10 to 12 o'clock, I need to create, to finish this brief. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 10 to 12 o'clock. That's it. I don't do anything else. I can be peaceful because everything is already taken care of. It's on my list. Exactly that. Then you can be productive. Yeah, that's it. And it, what you said is so key is that structure gives you freedom. It's not the opposite, 
right? Uh, a lot of it's a lot of creatives think, oh, I'm being penned in by this structure. Oh, I have to go to this meeting at this time. I want to just vibe. I want to just let it flow. A little bit of structure will make that easier for those flows to happen. I, I completely agree with that. Um, you reminded me of a little trick that I use for writing. Um, and I think that this is kind of talks about or ties into what you said about using that last uh, half hour of your day to reflect on, okay, what's been done and what comes next. So as it relates specifically to writing, something that I always do is if I'm writing something big, that's going to take more multiple sessions to get it done. Maybe you can use this for your book. Um, naturally, the instinct is, okay, I need to finish this section when I finish my day so that tomorrow I can start fresh from a new section. And what I do instead is I always start a new section before finishing. Reason is, it's much easier to continue your thought process if you've already started it yesterday than it is to, okay, hard stop at that topic. Now, now I have to jump into something totally new. The flow is interrupted. And the way that you can preserve that flow through time is just start a little bit. You know what I mean? Give yourself an idea to finish. And then when you start, the next time, you're not coming from zero. You're not, you know what I mean? You're not starting at the beginning of the race. You've, you're halfway through. You already know which direction you're going in. So this is a, a you know, if you talk about hacks, productivity hacks, that's a killer one right there. I love that, Ben. I absolutely love it. Like, because your, your subconscious is already kind of coming up with ideas and, and somehow, even while you sleep, you might, you know, start generating something. So when, when you go look at it for the second time or third time, whatever, it's it's a it's not a new one. I haven't exactly. I haven't consciously done that, but I think it's a great tip. It's a fantastic tip. By the way, those of you listening us live, make sure to post us where are you joining us from. And obviously, if you have any similar hack on how do you hack your creativity, it would be yeah. fantastic to hear from you live or under the on the comments in the podcast section. Amazing, Andrew, love that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit also about. Um, mental toughness in managing uh, managing stress what, what are your tips on, on on mental toughness like you seem to be a really really chill dude i mean i've seen you you know in person maybe three four times we've been hanging out and you're always this kind of a even before your speeches you seem to be really chill and you know in a i'm going to use your word vibe you know you're a good vibe <laughs> right so 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 what do you do to what helps you to 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 be more chill about uh, about stuff, even if they're if they're stressful for for others? Sure, I mean meditation is another big one here. Like this is, you know, I said you can do it from anywhere. That tree in my mind where worries, it's always there. So uh, this is you know this is a great example. But before giving a big keynote. Um, if you're if you're having an anxiety about that or whatever, you just go into your mind. Let it's you know it's like we talked about during meditation. You accept the bad thought and then you dismiss it. You say, okay, I'm worried, but not right now. Um, another good this is a funny one. Um, it feels so silly, but it really really works. Is I just tell myself I'm not scared. I'm excited. Anytime you feel nervous about something, you just it's it's almost the same emotion. You know what I mean? Excitement, nervousness, being afraid. They all feel almost exactly the same. So if you just tell yourself, I'm not nervous, I'm excited. 
I'm looking forward to this. I can't fucking wait. Then once you get into that mindset, it ch completely changes the whole thing for you. So that's, that's a really great one. And another one comes back to what I said at the beginning is we're not doing open heart surgery here. At the end of the day, if you're giving, if you're about to give a keynote, what is the absolute worst case scenario? You look a bit of a fool for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Nothing that bad is going to happen. It's the absolute worst case scenario. You'll survive. You'll still go home tonight. You know what I mean? There's nothing is really, really that bad. So just remember the stakes of what you're doing here. You know what I mean? And it, okay, if you are a heart surgeon, don't take that advice because <laughs> you are somebody who does need to, to be worried probably. But for most of us, the, the stakes aren't that high. What we're doing is, uh, you know, the world's going to keep turning. So just, I, and I don't mean that in a sort of defeatist or nihilistic way. I just mean like to put it in perspective, like it's not what you're doing isn't important. It's just that uh, at the end of the day, the stakes aren't that bad. You know, I, I just uh, posted the quote on Instagram from Eleanor Roosevelt. And it was, if you wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you, if you realize how seldom they do. And I really love that, man. Exactly because it's that. like in our head, we're, we're the center of the universe. And, you know, the example with the keynote, like you, you do a keynote, five minutes later, everybody forgets even if it was the worst, terrible, I mean, nobody cares. Like we're just making up so, exactly. so big and it doesn't really, so it's a, it's, a, it's such a great advice. And, and what you were sharing about the, the worrying part, I remember this exercise, which is so silly again, but it's, it actually works is when you schedule time for productive worrying, right? Like, so um, you start worrying about this thing that you don't solve and you don't know how to solve. Great. From 8 to 8.30 is my time to worry about stuff. <laughs> exactly. I put it on the list. I'm going yep. to worry about it, but it's from 8 to 8.15. And then you put the list of all the things, 8, 8 o'clock, and you stop. It's weird, but it, That's you, it. That's it. And for, okay, for me, I use that, but uh, I give my length of time that I give myself is five seconds. I say, okay, I'm allowed to be scared for five seconds, and it's time to do it. You know what I mean? And so give yourself that count to five. You go one, two, three, four, five. Let all the anxieties boil. And then it's done. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's like you said. If you give yourself the time. You don't ignore the feeling. You just say, okay, here's my bucket of time to, to deal with that feeling. And then we're moving on. And by the end of it, you know, it's funny how your, your brain can sort of trick itself that way. And it go, okay, that time's over. We're going to do something else now. And it really works. Yeah, it becomes like a muscle. Exactly right. There was a a really great exercise that uh, I learned maybe like 10 years ago in a personal development seminar. And it, it sounds so crazy, but when you start doing it, especially consistently, it becomes like a muscle and you, you are so much more, you know, harder affected by any kind of circumstances. So basically what you do, and hopefully the audience can also get inspired about that, but it's, Let's say something bad happened. You get, uh, you know, you've, you're late for a job interview, like whatever. When you're on your own, you just uh, close your eyes and you, you, the first stage is you stay in the, the kind of like you're in a depressed place, right? Like your shoulders are down, you're, you're kind of feeling like this and you really feel, you feel it. Like the whole situation, you feel the pain, if there is a pain, the shame, whatever. 
Now the second the second stage of it is with your eyes closed, you just stand up into a more confident place, you know, peaceful place. And now you you still think about the situation, but in from a place that from a place of strength. This thing happened, but I own it. I'm exactly on it. Exactly that. So you yeah. kind of and you start breathing deeper. You put a little smile, like I'm on it. Everything's gonna be fine. Now the third stage, and that some people might say this is a little crazy. You stand up and you start laughing out loud. While you think about the situation, you're like, you start laughing and you're Love thinking, how, like this thing was so stupid. How could I, you know, like you just start laughing at it. And and you fourth stage, you get back to the to the place of peace and and confidence. And it's crazy, but it's like four minutes of this exercise. You're back to your balance. Now you can take a decision from a lot more productive place. Hundred percent, man. For sure. And it, it's funny how it's, it's not really a trick, but your brain will just be, okay, I'm laughing. Everything must be fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's uh, it's just seeing a regram, right? Where you're just like, nope, we're not feeling that anymore. That We're in a different space now. And it's amazing how that stuff works. Yeah, we're biochemical machines, man. And and if we learn how it. we actually act, like sleep, man. I mean, the simplest thing. I know that when I sleep, I'm going to be more productive, more focused, feeling better. Okay, I need to learn to sleep better. I, I know that when I'm smiling and I'm in a good posture, probably my body is going to release some sort of uh, chemical things that will make me feel better and more calm. Okay, maybe I need to do that. I, I know that when I'm breathing exactly. properly, that will give me something. So like knowing all those things, we can create structures around us that will help us to have a more productive better more positive life which is amazing you said it man i love it andrew i can talk to you for ages and i know we have a lot more conversation i want to have you back uh, at some point once again but just to kind of wrap up this uh, episode could you share with us what's what's in your mind these days you know what what is your focus what are you passionate about these days yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, I told you, I've just started this new job at Nubic. So right now I'm in sponge mode. You know, whenever you start in an... So this is not only a new job for me, but a totally new industry. So I am soaking it up. I'm trying to learn as much as I can about what's going on here. So Nubic, uh, it's a Salesforce consulting agency and uh, totally new space for me. I've done B2B before. I've done SaaS products before, but I've never done Salesforce. And it's it's really its own beast. So um, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about that whole world. So if we have anybody listening who's in the Salesforce space or who's uh, interested in that kind of thing, please feel free to reach out. I would love to just kind of pick your brain about that kind of thing. Um, not a very sexy one uh, saying Salesforce is what I'm passionate about right now, but it, that's definitely where I'm trying to gain my expertise and learn more about that world. So that's uh, that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. Love it. And since we're at the end of this, and by the way, I just want to share with uh, the audience uh, your personal webpage. If people want to get in touch, uh, it's uh, crosswonder.com, C-R-A-S-S wonder.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Andrew, what would be the best way for people to get in touch? Is that LinkedIn? Is that email? Uh, yeah, just go through my website. I got a contact form on there. Um, or you can find me on any social media. It's, uh, the same username, Crass Wonder, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere. It's always that. So 
that's the best way to get in touch for sure. Fantastic. And final, final, final question to you, Andrew. The last couple of years almost, it's been uh, very interesting times in the world, globally, global pandemic, a lot of the things that we used to do and the way we used to do them are have shifted. Um, many people have been going through transition, difficulties, struggles, uncertainty, you know, not to mention losing a, the close person of theirs. What would be your message to those people who are struggling these days, going through uncertainty and, and trying to, to find peace? What would be your message to them? Oh, man. I think uh, one of the greatest losses we've had over the past two years is community and people coming together and, uh, you know, even just knowing and talking to your neighbors, that kind of thing, like really just the the people in your immediate vicinity. You know, I don't know what it's like uh, where where all of our listeners are at, but where I am, you know, streets are empty a lot of the time. It's, people are not really going out. We're in the middle of winter. It's uh, it's a pretty bleak time. So what I would say is get some of that community back. Go knock on your neighbor's door and ask them, is there something you can do for them? Or, you know, bake some cookies and bring them around the neighborhood or whatever. Just try and connect with people, man. That's what we're missing. Um, and, you know, do it safely. Do it in a way that makes sense for, for where you're at. But uh, talk to people. Get the community back together. Just try and try and reach out and share with your neighbors. You know, it's I think it's so key, and it's something that helps you get through anything is knowing that there's people there with you. Um, and I think that the pandemic, but also just the kind of atomization we're experiencing through social media, even like delivery apps, everything all factors into this of people staying at home and being isolated from the people around them. So free from that and go talk to your neighbor that's my best advice yeah and, and i if you can just add one more stop reading news like oh yeah seriously, stop reading news I, I used to the beginning of the pandemic you know i was wanted to be informed so i was reading the news man i i would be so stressed and and so much tension just by reading the it's like i don't need to read the news man if i need to know something i can i can ask i can go to the right place but don't read the news. Just you know, be kind. Reach out to That's people. It. Take care of yourself, and uh, we, you know, we, we we go through that as well, right? You, you said it, man. Amazing, Andrew. Thank you so much for being with us, and and for those of you who are listening, episode ninety-two, which means there are ninety-one more episodes and a lot more interesting guests are to come. February is going to be the month of entrepreneurs. We have some fantastic people joining us on Productivity Mastery. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, share with a friend, share with your neighbor, and uh, look forward to having you again on the next episode of Productivity Mastery. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performance and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.